Philippians chapter 4 and verse 8 will be our text. And Brother Randy had mentioned about Paul uh, Bloom, my son, the public information officer there at the Sheriff's Department, but of him uh, next Sunday night, and you won't want to miss that, but you know, before he was uh, PIO over there, he also drove the car, you know, pulled cars over and things of that nature. And that, I mean, that was the job, you know, you start at the bottom when you start. And so that's where he started, worked his way up. But he was following the car one day, and the guy all of a sudden swerved like that. Now, a box had fallen off a pickup truck in front of him, and he swerved to miss that box. But Paul didn't see the guy, the box had fallen off, and he pulls this guy over for reckless driving because he almost hit somebody on the other side of the road. And so he has him off, but there was another deputy there that saw what happened. He went over there and looked, and a box of carpet tacks had fallen off on the road there, and the guy swerved, of course, to miss it. And so as Paul's there writing him a ticket for reckless driving, the officer calls says, hey, you can't write him a ticket for reckless driving. He, he swerved and, and missed this box of tacks. Oh, okay. So he tears up that ticket, that guy's happy, and he starts writing another ticket. The guy says, what's that for? He said, tax evasion. <laughs> they had to do something about that, okay. All right. Okay, our text is Philippians chapter 4 and verse 8. I titled this message, Think of That. And you'll see what it is once we get into it here, but I, I love this verse here. He says, finally, brethren, some great instruction in this chapter, in this whole book. And so it's in this last chapter of all the great things you read in this book. He says, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, and if there be any praise, think, that is meditate, think on these things. Now understand, all those things I just mentioned is not on how culture or men identify those things, but rather as the Word of God identifies. And so, pure, just, whatever that is listed there, it must line up the Word of God. And as it does, think on those things. Let's go to the Lord in prayer, and then we'll look into the message for today. Father, you've told us how to think. You've provided the word to guide us in thinking. As Jesus in his high priestly prayer prayed, thy word is truth. Now again, Lord, I pray that there is one listening today who is not sure if they died today that heaven's their home. I pray that today would be the very day they come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And we'd ask this in Jesus Christ's precious and holy name. Amen. Critical thinking 
has become the philosophy of Bible translation and of late it has been also of not really late it started some time ago of education and unfortunately court decisions based on constitutional things based on the very critical interpretation rather than the, the original intent of the Constitution. Now, don't get excited and say, oh, he's going to preach a political sermon today. No, I'm not. Okay, it's going to be a Bible sermon. But what they like to do is make the Constitution a living document that must change with the culture, must change with uh, whatever the day is doing, whatever the morals, the standards of the day would be. It must change to that. That's the idea of a living document. And they feel that, for an example, if uh, when homosexual marriage was endorsed by the courts, when abortion was endorsed at that time by the courts, that is the idea that they say, well, it's a living document. You've got to change to the days. Now, the Constitution, let me say this, the framers of the Constitution, were they all saved? I don't know. But I can tell you this, it was written on the basis of the Judeo-Christian ethic. That means whether it was Old Testament Bible uh, or New Testament Bible, it was written as those things that are principles, that are ethics, that are truths in every generation. Okay, it was based on that. And that's what it's supposed to be. And when you get away from that, you end up eventually with a broken nation, a broken people, and unfortunately, broken homes. And so, these are truths that are for all generations. Constitution doesn't replace our Bible, by the way. But I think it's good that they got principles from the Bible to put in our, in our Constitution. <coughs> excuse me. Now, I have instructed, <coughs> excuse me, I've instructed our administrators here at the school that uh, go out and they recruit new teachers. I've instructed them not to go to find teaching prospects at Christian colleges who teach critical thinking, philosophy or theory or whatever you want to call it. We don't want them to have that point of view. Most of the greatest problems that I've seen over the years as pastor and being the one who leads here at OCA because it's a ministry of our church. I found that a lot of the problems in a Christian school education have they've been encountered or generated in the ministry that God ordained for us to have through those who practice critical thinking 
They want to change the standards. They want to change everything else. One of the things, and I'll say this, and I'll say it without apology. Uh, I really looked very, very intelligent and smart when I brought on Brother Randy Osborne. But I really thought he didn't know any better. Uh, but when we brought him on, one of the things that we saw, first of all, the Great Commission. That was my heart. The Great Commission must be fulfilled through the school. It's a ministry of the church. And secondly, education. We wanted the education standard to improve. We wanted it to be better. Now, we had, we've always had good education, but I think that it's improved as we move away from those that think in critical uh, thinking, saying, well, that's the way you have to do it today. No, it's not. It's not. Now, don't think today I'm addressing critical race theory. That is not what I'm looking at today, okay? I'm talking about critical thinking. Although I believe that even critical race theory comes from the uh, principles of critical thinking. And you can say, yeah, yeah, I agree with you on that. Well, understand that much education, even in some Christian colleges, it's coming out of that same idea of, of critical thinking. Uh, it has generated many things of philosophy that have infected education and religion today. I remember back when I first took over as pastor here back in, I think it was, Took over in 86, but in 88, there was a college that flew me up to visit their university. And it, a lot of things were impressive, but I went through the uh, place where they sold their curriculums, and they said, our curriculum is the best because ours teach people how to think. Now, the Beckett curriculum, you do a lot of memory that we use. They say memory is not a way to teach them to think. You've got to teach children how to think. And when God brings scriptures to your mind, you've got to say, well, that's not right. Because critical theory may disagree with the Word of God. And teaching children how to think contrary to the Word of God leads to problems. So I say stay away from those colleges. Don't go there to recruit. I want our kids to learn the right way, the intelligent way, the best educational way, and that's the way we've got to do is, first of all, avoid that which is wrong. Now, the Bible gives us a clue of critical thinking. As a matter of fact, something that Thomas Dewey is the father of critical thinking, and <clears throat> the correct technical term is, that's baloney, <laughs> okay? It's not, it's not the father. He's not the father. Now, the father of critical thinking is found in Genesis chapter 3. It was Satan in the form of a serpent. Adam and Eve are in the garden. Great thing. I mean, it's, it's a great. The Lord gave one ministry, tend the garden. That was their ministry. Uh, and by the way, realize that if you're a Christian. You're an auto mechanic. Maybe you, you work in some kind of technical fields. Maybe you work in a sales field, a retail field, a wholesale field, or some other type of field. No matter where you work, if you're saved, 
God's given that to you as a ministry to be a light in that ministry for Christ. That's why he gave you the talents to do what you do. To be a light for Jesus Christ wherever you are as a saved person. And that's what you need to understand that. But in Genesis chapter 3, the serpent, it's actually Satan speaking through that serpent, said, uh, are you allowed to eat of every uh, fruit of every tree? And Eve says, and he got her by herself, and he said, she said to him, well, the Lord said, we can eat of every tree of the garden except the tree of the knowledge of good and of evil. He said that in, he says, don't eat of that lest ye die, she says to him. Now, she already got it wrong. The Lord did not say, lest ye die. He says, ye shall surely die. And Satan corrects her. And that's interesting. Satan corrected her on the word of God. Okay. He says, ye shall not surely die. And then he introduces critical thinking. Eve, don't you get it? God doesn't want you to eat of that because then you'll have the knowledge of good and evil and you'll be on the same level as God. And He doesn't want you up at His level. And you know what? Critical thinking many times uses what sounds like it's logical. That sounded logical to Eve. She ate of the fruit of the tree. Adam gets uh, called over to Eve. And she tries, she wants him to eat up. Now look, Adam's not deceived, but Adam knows better. But he knows if he doesn't, then Eve will die. And he doesn't want another rib taken out for another one. You know? So he, he, he knows that she will die, so he partakes of it too. In the day you eat thereof, you shall surely die. You say, aha, we got you there. Boy, we found a mistake in the Bible. No, Genesis. Eve, Adam and Eve had children. Cain and Abel, after that, they didn't surely die. Yes, they died that very day. You say, now how's that? Because death doesn't mean ceasing to exist. Death means separation. That day, they were separated from God. And they would enjoy, not enjoy, they would be in the same place as Satan in the eternal lake of fire on that day of judgment. Unless they had a Savior. And so in that very same chapter, a virgin birth is promised. The seed of the woman. The seed's not of the woman, but this time it's the seed of the woman. Because God formed that seed inside her and Mary had the baby. Now, Mary wasn't God, but she was chosen of God to do this. Now, when my body dies, my spirit separates from my body. But it's either going to go to heaven if I'm saved, or it's going to go to hell if I'm not saved. It's one or the other. And the only way of salvation is through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 12, we're told that there is a godly wisdom and there is a worldly wisdom. 
Godly wisdom is high and above all worldly wisdom combined. But praise the Lord, he gave us his word and he has preserved it for us. It seemed logical reasoning to Eve if she had this knowledge of good and evil. But critical thinking brought separation, death, and failure to their life. Critical thinking and right thinking can be logical to most people. For example, God's Word, not man's philosophy of, of modern culture, of the culture, or anything else, tells us what is logical. It's always got to be the Word of God. That's why our text, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. And you're going to get that from the Word of God. Now, let me give you another Bible example. Remember Moses with the ten spies? Sends them out to look at the land of Israel. They go and they come back. Only two of those ten come back with a report. Hey, this, they all sit. The land's full of milk and honey. It's got this fruit, uh, the great cities. Everything's ready for us. They said, oh, there's giants in there and there's all this other stuff. We'll never be able to take it. They'll kill us and we'll be in subjection to them. We can't go in. Only Joshua and Caleb say, wait a No, God will give it to us. Let's go. They said no. And they even tried to form a group and let's go back to Egypt. We can't overcome that. Well, they're only right in the fact that they couldn't do it. They just didn't realize God was going with them. You'd think that they would know that when the Lord parted the Red Sea and they walked through on that dry land that they would know the difference. When they'd see the miracles in the wilderness of water out of a rock, you'd think they'd know the difference. When they would see every day a pillar of fire above that tabernacle, and that, uh, every day, should I say, a pillar of cloud over the tabernacle, every night a pillar of fire. They should know. But <clears throat> critical logic, human logic said, oh, we don't have a chance. But when God says do something, do it. It's always right. It is always, 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 always right when God says do my will, my way. Daniel him and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They get taken into captivity, and they're in Babylon, and they're assigned this diet to eat. But it goes against what they were taught in the law. So Daniel says, we're not going to eat it. Those three. Now look, there are hundreds and hundreds of Jewish 
young men that are there, but only these three, or these four with Daniel, said, we're not going to do it. <coughs> they said, well, just let us eat, basically, pulse or vegetables. In comparison, 10 days. You know why they could say that? They knew God does what's best for us. And in 10 days, they were fair and fatter than the others. Now, the others, the multitude of the others, it was logical. If we don't eat this, the king told us to have, we're going to die. They're going to put us to death. But they instead, these, this, this little quartet of men did what God said. A little bit later, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they have built this great golden, uh, really, just something that is an idol that the king Nebuchadnezzar made of himself. And everybody at the sound of the music was to bow down and worship. These three would not. They only worship the Lord thy God. The king calls them in. He's angry. He says, if you'll bow down and worship it, you'll be fine. If not, I'm going to put you in this fiery furnace. It's seven times hotter that it should be heated. They say, King, uh, uh, we're not going to bow down. Now, if you kill us, if it kills us, it kills us. If, but God's able to deliver us from that as well. Oh, the king is mad. Oh, is he mad. Now, he says, all right, here, here are two of the strongest men I have in my uh, army, my group, you cast these guys in that, lake, that, that, that furnace of fire. They cast them in, but the fire is so hot, it kills those men that are casting them in. A few minutes later, Nebuchadnezzar's off to the side there looking in. He says, did not we cast in three men? But I see four men. One looks like the Son of God. And they're moving around. I think they were trying to keep warm. They're moving around. Now, you can tell that these are godly people because when Nebuchadnezzar said, Oh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, uh, servants of the Most High God, come on out. These are godly men because they didn't say, Come in and get us. Now, can you imagine that? Now, they come out, and they have a testimony to that king. And later that king will talk about his faith in Daniel chapter 4, knowing who is the real God. But logic said, those three guys are crazy. They're going to burn in that furnace. Logic, human logic says don't do it. Righteous logic says, obey God. But they had to know the word. They had to, <clears throat> the word that so often is hated by critical thinking. They had to memorize. They had to memorize the word. And it kept them from sin. Let's take the best example, Jesus Christ in the wilderness. 
He is God come in the flesh, but He took on a human body and a human spirit. And Satan takes him in the wilderness. He's been 40 days and 40 nights without water and bread, no food. And Satan says, look, if you're the son of God, you can turn these stones into bread. Why should you starve out here? And Jesus says, man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Later, he shows him all the kingdoms of the world. He says, I'll give all of these to thee. And, and it's my part to do so. And it was his part, because when he caused Adam and Eve to fall, that was a sign to him that Adam and Eve were sober, everything. They lost it all. And he could do that. He says, it's mine to give. Jesus doesn't question that. He says, no, worship the Lord thy God. You see, Jesus is still the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And Satan gives up. He's defeated. Because Jesus in his humanity stayed true to the Word of God. Look, since I've been pastor, you know, you've got to get the drums up here. You've got to get rock and roll in here. You've got to paint it black in here. You've got to have the strobe lights up here. Every kind of thing. Get rid of those standards and rules that you have in the church or in the school. Get rid of those things. We're going to stand on it because it's what God tells us to do. And there's plenty of places, there are plenty of nightclub churches, I guess, so if that's what you're after, go to those nightclub churches. But if you want to be right, you better go where the Word of God is preached. And do God's will, God's way, and get away from the devil-invented fallacy of critical thinking. Let me give you another example. A couple guys named Westcott and Hort. Westcott and Hort. You say, well, who in the world were they? Westcott and Hort came up with a new translation of the Bible. But the way they went about it was very interesting. Until Westcott and Hort came in 1881 with their new translation. 1881 with their new Greek text. The Textus Receptus from which our King James comes from was used by all churches, even churches that would say are doctrinally wrong. They all came from, their translations came from the Textus Receptus. And, and they went through, and, and, and it's so interesting to me, when you think about it, some of the things that went on, and, and they had the critical thinkers say, no, we've got to work on this. Now, and I find it's kind of interesting. Because Westcott and Hort had men that went out, and they searched all through Europe, various monasteries and other places, trying to get Greek texts that would just line up differently. In some of those places where they went, they were using those texts those that were there realized this is wrong. And they were using them for fire, to kindle the fire in their furnaces. They got what was left of the text and took them with them. And in time, they developed their own Greek text. As a matter of fact, the ones they used 
were by a group of Alexandrians. You say, what in the world is Alexandrians? They were slaves who were captured, held in Alexandria, Egypt. But they were educated slaves, studied out there doing the hard work. They wanted to stay inside, and so they worked in libraries, and they did translating work. <coughs> some of them added notes. Some of them changed some things because that didn't line up with their Greek mythology and the religion they was brought up in. As a matter of fact, Augustine, the Catholic Pope, was taught in that religion. That's, he was converted out of that religion. But he learned something that he put in the Catholic doctrine. He established it. And what is that? That we are the elect church. Only you can go to heaven through the Catholic church. We are the elect. And he wrote all of that. Later, a man by the name of John Calvin saw through that stuff, and he said, okay, I believe in election, but it's not the Catholic church. It's us. It's just different ones of us, though. It's not everybody. And so he had his election. Some of you are born to go to hell, and some of you are born to go to heaven. You don't have a decision in that. Again, start with Greek mythology, not Augustine. Augustine changed it to that. Then Calvin to that. But it's all critical thinking. It's not Bible. And so they developed a text. And Westcott and Hort, now I'm saying this from experience, okay? <laughs> not that I lived in 1881. I'm saying this from experience. At my first Greek class that I took, the professor had used a critical text, and he was strong, 100% critical text, which is the wrong thing. It's what developed back then. Westcott and Hort had said, everything that's in here, and your Texas Receptus, there's only a half page of difference, and the words are insignificant. They don't change doctrine or anything. Yet, uh, Colossians 1.14 says that we're forgiven of forgiveness of sins through the blood, it removes through the blood. Jesus Christ came to save that which was lost. It removes that verse in Matthew chapter 18, verse 11, I believe it is. Was that important? They said only a half a page of Greek difference. Uh, the problem with that is there was well over 42 and a half pages of that. And there are only 47 sets of their manuscripts that they have, that they've made and they put together and they changed, whereas there are 5,400, at least 5,400, as a matter of fact, they found some more since that's been said, of the Texas Receptus. Much of their text, so there's 47 sets of text, disagree with themselves. Maybe there's a half a page difference, but it's only in their text. But all that critical thinking says, well, we've got to do this in a way that helps people understand. What does that do? It says, okay, the Holy Spirit can't teach you people anything. Yeah, you might have got saved, but boy, the Holy Spirit just lacks the ability to teach you what he means by the word of God that he breathed out. Well, that's blasphemy. But that's the conclusion. Now, you see that. I remember... Of, of looking at these things in Arizona because it brings on another group. See, I believe Karl Marx 
but not only Karl Marx, Charles Darwin, were critical thinkers. They were trained in that. That's where you come up with theories of evolution. That's where you come up with the theories of socialism, communism. That was their training. Later, a man by the name of Thomas Dewey came along and he, he had critical thinking for education in America. And boy, in about the 1930s, it really caught on here. But really, before the 1900s, he was already writing about it. Thomas Dewey was a humanist, and many call him one of the fathers of humanism. I was uh, preaching in Arizona one day, and I told of that, and I told what one of the things humanism does in your public schools. I said, a teacher can be in there and just say, uh, to say middle school, high school, uh, what kind of trouble do you get in at home? What have you done lately that your parents had to get on to you for? And they would say things, and uh, and come back. Well, that doesn't sound so bad. Uh, what did your parents do? Should they have done that? What should they have done? See, they've just under, undermined parenting. See. They destroy the home. That's why you have a defund the police thing going on today. Go away from authority. That's why they want to change the Constitution. Go away from the authority. Go away from it. It sounds logical, but for some reason, the consequences say something else. Now, let me tell you that in everything I've said so far, I want us to take us right back to the Word of God here quickly. Psalms 119, verses 9 through 11. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? Through psychology? Through counseling? No. By taking heed thereto according to thy word. With my whole heart, have I sought thee, O oh, let me not wander from thy commandments. Thy word have I hid in my heart, that I might not sin against thee. I, I, unfortunately, I grew up in the 50s, so we learned timetables and we learned 2 plus 2 is still 4. Coming out with new math and all that, things started to change. It's logical. One of the things I saw in English, I said, Pastor, you didn't pass an English class, but that's nonetheless. Okay, but in English, they would have words spelled that it sounded like the word, but it wasn't the correct spelling. So what's wrong with that? That's critical thinking. Can you imagine? Your doctor writing you a prescription, and if you can read it, drug is getting a hold of it, and he thinks it says something else, and he gives you the other medication. Critical thinking says, you've got to change things. For an example, sometimes they'll take a heart out when they're doing heart surgery. They'll keep it going and all that other stuff, but they'll take it out. 
Well, critical thinking might say this. Now, they won't do it. Why don't you put that thing back in upside down? I mean, it's a heart. It has the same purpose. Just put it in upside down. It'll probably make them better. How do you know that it won't? Don't experiment on me. Okay, that's, that's critical thinking. But you know, the worst critical thinking of all is about eternal life. Yeah, it's good to memorize times tables and things like that, speed math. It's good to learn basic principles of science. Remember back when they were talking about follow the science, follow the science, follow the science? I did. There's not more than two genders. Okay, that's the science. There's not more than two genders, and I know that because God said I created a male and female. He made them to procreate. So, there's not more than two genders. Oh, you don't understand the mind. Yeah, it is. The mind is depraved. It needs to be changed. Back to the Word of God. Now, let me just look a little bit further. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. Some people say, if you'll do the best you can, you'll make it. That's critical thinking. People say, if you'll get baptized, you're going to go to heaven. Some people say, well, you know what? God will weigh my good against my bad, and I'll make it. That's critical thinking. But you better get to the truth that's been preserved, that comes from God, that every word was breathed out by God. And what does he say? Matthew 7, 21 says, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Oh, then what is that will? The Lord, 2 Peter 3, 9, is not, not slack. The Lord is not slack. He is not slack. Keeping his promises. Okay. He's not slack concerning his promises, but he's long-suffering to us word, not willing that any should perish. He doesn't want anybody to go to hell. Well, that puts, that puts all these that said only our church is the way, all those that said Augustine's day, only the Catholic church is the way, those in Calvin's day said only Calvinism is the way. No, Jesus said, the Bible says, he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. All should come to repentance. So my question then becomes, what is repentance? That is a, some say it's a change of mind. Okay, I'll go with that. That's the basic meaning in the Greek word. But a change of mind that affects the life that you live. When you got married, you had a change of mind about being single. That is a change of mind. That was a repentance from being single any longer, and I'm going to be married now. It's a change of life. 
It's turning from the old life. It's turning from the old ways. It's turning to Jesus Christ. I can't do away with my sin, but I know the one that died for me, shed his blood for him, and he can cleanse me of my sin. And he will. He said, if you come to him, he'll in no wise cast you out. So not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say unto me that, that day, Lord, Lord, have I not cast out uh, have I not prophesied in thy name? Have I not in thy name cast out devils? And in thy name done many wonderful works. And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. You see, they thought they could work their way. They said, if I do a lot of religious works, that'll get me to heaven. No, it won't. You've got to admit, all have sinned come show the glory of God. And I'm a sinner. I deserve to go to hell. But God loves me. And he died for my sin. All the sin I ever have or ever will commit, he died for me. He was buried and he rose from the dead. And he promises if I would receive him as my Lord and Savior, he would guarantee, and God never lies, he would guarantee our eternal life. He's God. He created the heaven and the earth. He can do it. He wants to have a personal relationship with you. But you don't have that unless you're saved. So I'm not asking you today, are you a good person? Are you doing the best you can? Have you not hurt anybody? I'm saying, is, was there a time you realized you're a sinner and you need to be saved? And only Christ could save you. If not, today's the day. Now's the accepted time. One day you'll stand before God. In the very moment, right now, in the very words you just heard me say, if you don't receive Christ, you'll hear them before you're cast into the lake of fire when it's too late. Won't you come to Him right now? Let's bow our heads, please.